Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peek and Ted Tate. All right, well, it's another episode. I kind of sometimes feel like uh, DJ Khaled and another one. That's <laughs> so ridiculous. Don't ever let me say that again. Uh, it's another episode of the People of Packaging podcast where I get to talk with Brian Wagner from PTIS. going to learn all sorts of cool stuff about his journey. He's been in, uh, started businesses. He sold a business. He went back into the same business that he sold. He's been... He's taught at schools, he has moved all around the country and all uh, with packaging and now at PTIS they are creating value through packaging, offering insights and foresights, uh, doing some incredible work with uh, data analytics and uh, really helping companies drive forward. Um, and as you already know, our partner for this season, Doxalent, is doing similar things, using data to help you transform your packaging specification management through their software called Insure. So head on over to peopleofpackaging.com, peopleofpackaging.com. Get your free ebook, first name, last name, email address. It's super easy. It's a great way to support the show, and it's an even better way to make sure that you are managing your data properly. So thanks for supporting. Thanks for listening. And now let's get to this episode with Brian Wagner. All right. Well, here we are uh, in 2021. Uh, Brian and I are talking at the end of 2020, but uh, this will be coming out in 2021. And we're going to talk about 2021. And I think everybody's excited to talk about 2021 because it is not 2020. So uh, I get to talk with um, Brian Wagner and Brian's going to do a much better job introducing himself. But we were able to connect up and uh, I guess it was maybe three, four weeks ago, something like that. And we just had a great chat. Um, he's doing, he's done some incredible things in the packaging industry. Uh, he's doing incredible things right now. And I'm excited to even look at the, into the future with him. So uh, that's what we're going to be doing here on this episode. So Brian, appreciate you joining. Thank you. It's awesome. It's awesome to be here with you. I'm really looking forward to the next hour. Yeah, yeah, likewise. So, and you are where? Where is home for you now? Oh, my gosh. After having moved all over the country, moved many times the last three years, I've settled in northern Michigan, a little little resort town called Petoskey. Beautiful place looking out at Lake Michigan. That's awesome. And and where, so this is kind of part of your, your story, but um, what's your journey been like? You know, you mentioned, okay, I've had to move a lot. And I'm guessing those have been for various packaging jobs. Um, so maybe just sort of set the table of, because we're going to talk about, and you're going to speak authoritatively, but there's probably people who don't know you. It's not like we have like packaging superstars. Um, like I don't have the Brian Wagner rookie card from when you were an engineer at wherever it was. So, uh, you know, assume that somebody doesn't know who you are, because we're going to talk about some really cool stuff uh, looking forward into 2021. But um, why should why should people care and why should they listen to you? Maybe that's a tough question. I don't know. Wow, but. that's a really tough question. 
But I do love telling the story because it's, it's really a little bit crazy. Um, yeah, let's hear it. It uh, there was there's no straightness to the path. I didn't. I'm not sure. So I grew up in Buffalo, New York. I um, ended up at Michigan State University. That's its own hour long story. Um, in my, I went there to study business and eventually become an insurance salesman or take over my dad's insurance agency. I quickly got bored with accounting. He said, the economy's terrible. You don't want to come into my business. I can't afford you. You better find something else. And I stumbled into this great, uh, great profession called packaging. Yeah, but packaging is kind of insurance, but for products. Uh, it's, it's certainly an aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've done some research um, on CEOs and what's important to them across business. It's, it's really simple. It's, they want to grow top line. They want to increase margin and they want to manage risk. So, so that third one really is a bit about insurance. I, I agree with you. Um, and uh, and my, my dad, frankly, he was a one-man show. He once every couple of years could afford a secretary for a, a month or a week or something. And, um, and I'll share more on my journey, but to some extent came back to what he had. Myself and a partner, Mike Richmond, started PTIS 20 years ago this month. And, um, and here we were after working in a lot of big companies and, and otherwise just us and bootstrapping and really uh, kind of nowhere to go but up. Um, so I, I think after chasing around career opportunities, I ended up finding what I was looking for from the start. And so I ended up at Michigan State. I got into the packaging program, um, interned at IBM in Rochester, Minnesota, and um, interestingly some of the best top graduates were going to IBM and that's what attracted general foods to recruit me. <laughs> they wanted some of the best. And I, and I'm, I don't know how I deserved that classification other than I got lucky. Um, but uh, in, when I went back to finish up my final term at Michigan state, I met my wife. I didn't even know her before that she was from Petoskey, Michigan. So after all these crazy years uh, I ended up in her hometown and um, that started, that, that journey started, I started at Michigan State in 1979. I met her in 1983. Um, I met my future business partner, Mike Richmond, I think in 1982. He was a professor of mine at Michigan State. Wow. And uh, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, a lot of marriages don't work. A lot of business partnerships don't work. You got both. I got both working. And, um, and really my dad grew his little business just based on relationships and word of mouth. And that's really what's led me through my career and very fortunate. So the economy was terrible. When I graduated in 1984, there were no jobs in the Midwest. General Foods hired me in New Jersey, had a great experience. Two years into it, got recruited away by, by Burger King, uh, in Miami, Florida, never thought coming from Buffalo and Petoskey, we would ever go south, but we spent three great years in Miami. Wow. And then our first daughter was born and um, Pillsbury had just uh, it sold, Pillsbury owned Burger King. They got purchased by a company called Grand Metropolitan that later became Diageo. Mm -hmm. um, there was turmoil in the air every time one of these acquisitions happened. And our daughter was born, our first daughter out of, out of three kids in Miami and we want to get back near family and ended up in Buffalo, New York, back home, um, worked one year for a folding carton company with all kinds of lessons, working seven days a week and doing everything. And then seven years with a company called Multiform Desiccants who trained me in sales and marketing. They flew me all over the world. I became 
Uh, I did lots of public speaking on the subject of modified atmosphere packaging, hmm. and that really launched a lot of things, um, except that I ran out of opportunities with the company. There was nothing else in Buffalo. I worked for a year in Chicago with Sarah Lee and global business development, and then Kellogg's came along, and we moved to Michigan, uh, Kalamazoo, and three years into that, they were letting people go, and off we went, Man. and... Um, so December of 2000, uh, Mike and I got together and said, hey, let's start consulting. We frankly didn't know what we were doing. We were the sole breadwinners. We each had three kids, big mortgages, car payments. And mm -hmm. um, and that's why people will care, I think. So long story. Yeah, yeah. But the story of looking back. I don't think either Mike or I were afraid. I don't think we felt we were taking a risk. We just know we really wanted to make a difference in the industry and we wanted some flexibility in our lives. And mm -hmm. we put a business plan together and off we went. And um, frankly, I, I tell people we, we made it up as we went along early on. We didn't know what it was to be consultants. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. I remember, well, a couple of things when I was in college uh, at Colorado State and getting my business degree, there was a class and they kind of went around and said, what is it you want to do when you graduate? And I think half the class said they wanted to be consultants. And I remember sitting there thinking like, uh, for what? Like, what are you going to do when you get out of college to consult on? I mean, you know, you've really got to, you, you, you got to know something. I mean, you're going to know about how to get through college. Like those are called counselors and we have plenty of them here. It was just so interesting to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it can, uh, the the right consultant um, at the right time can can become the most valuable asset for a business, I think. Um, and and the wrong consultant, <laughs> or you know, an untrustworthy consultant can can really uh, can really kill it. So my one question about all of your moving around from Buffalo to New Jersey to Miami is, when you went to Miami. Did you publicly announce that you were taking your talents to South Beach or did you just let LeBron, <laughs> let's see, did you just let him do it? You know, back uh, in the late eighties, there was no LeBron. <laughs> well, I know, but see, you could have been the first. You could have said, that, that is true. I'm taking my talents to South Beach and I'm out of, I'm out of the Jersey. Okay. It, was, it was from New Jersey, right? That's where you moved. Or no, Buffalo. Well, Buffalo to New Jersey, Central New Jersey to Miami. Got it. So, um, and there's a stint, there's a stint in, uh, in Arizona there as well. Right. I mean, you've been, yeah. So we were ended up, um, in Kalamazoo for 13 years yep, with Kellogg's with Kellogg's and then 10 as PTIS. And then one of my three kids decided she was going to Arizona state. The youngest one decided he wanted to go to Arizona state. And there was this opportunity in 2009 to get in-state tuition. Mm -hmm. And at the bottom of the economy and the recession to... Oh, yeah. Houses were like free in Arizona. Then. Go to the sunshine and get a great deal on a house in Scottsdale. And uh, next thing you know, our kids graduated. They moved to Texas and Florida. And we sold our house and ended up in northern Michigan, thinking we would be snowbirders. But we're mostly in northern Michigan. And the kids have since moved from Texas to Michigan and Florida to Ohio. And so everyone's to the North. It's a little crazy. Yeah, that's wild. Well, I mean, I, I think for, because we have a lot of like younger, um, 
younger people, meaning like college and recent college graduates listening, it's it should be exciting, um, I would think, to be getting into the packaging industry, especially now. Um, and, you know, it, but it's not only now that it's been exciting, like, you know, you just detailed these companies you've been able to work with and across these, you know, from IBM to food companies to folding carton to consulting, Arizona, Michigan, Florida, like, and the jobs are just continuing to open up um, for, for people. So if you're, you know, if you're adventurous and if you love the industry, I mean, you can kind of go do just, you know, I, I had a, a friend of mine who just took a job and, you know, she moved because she wanted a better quality of life and, uh, you know, more land and kind of out of the big city. And so she found a job and went and got that. So, you know, it, it, it's not like people get in the packaging industry and be like, I'm going to get super rich. Um, though there certainly are very wealthy people in the packaging industry who own some of these companies, but you can have a very rich life. Um, you know, a very rewarding and fulfilling life. And it sounds like you're, you're living that, um, you know, right now you're in this beautiful resort town and your wife's hometown and kids are coming close. And, and here you are uh, at the pinnacle of your professional career on a packaging podcast. Uh, so. The podcast of the industry, from what I understand. <laughs> you know, I also, you and I have talked a little in the past about the book Halftime, uh, Bob Buford's book Halftime. And mm -hmm. I had a chance in 2016 to take a little sabbatical and read that book and write my own plan for the next half of my, my game, I suppose. He refers to football and going into the locker room at halftime. And uh, I was an empty nester. Um, I had sold my company. Um, we, and that's the other piece of the story. We sold it and got it back in 2017. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, so anyway, I had a few months of sabbatical time and I sat back and I actually considered getting out of packaging. I thought, man, I can rewrite the script right now. Why not? Mm -hmm. And after thinking about it all really long and hard, praying on it as well, it became really clear that I've got a passion for packaging. I love our industry. I've got great contacts. Um, I've earned a little bit of wisdom that, that I can now share with others. And so I, I bucketed kind of my top four um, work passions as packaging, innovation, sustainability, and entrepreneurship. And to be able to make a difference through all of those in people's lives and in a great industry, that's just, that's just really fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I, I'm right. I'm jotting down notes, by the way, if people are watching the video, but um, yeah, I mean, those, those buckets are, are huge. And to be able to impact people in, in those areas, there, there's no, it's not like if you, if you only succeeded in one that you'd feel like you were a failure, but being able to succeed in all of those and have an impact there is huge. Um, so, you know, good kudos. And, and so you, you've recently reacquired PTIS and uh, I guess three years ago. And so, you know, you got the, well, you got the gang back together and yeah, um, back together. Yeah. And so what has changed for you from the time that you, so you sell it, it goes to a bigger company, the bigger company sells it back to you. I'm guessing, you know, the, your, your kid looked a little bit different uh, when he came back into the house. And so uh, what's that been like to kind of restart and maybe even reinvigorate um, 
you know, this, this uh, business child that you have, this PTIS child. And, and what's been super exciting about that for you um, throughout, you know, 2020 and 2019 and the last few years? That's a, that's a really great question, actually, because um, I went through some emotional swings, uh, I would say. So we started the business officially December 2000, you know, January 2001. Um, we were growing like crazy. We hired somebody to help us with our strategy in 2005 because we didn't know where to go next. We, Mike and I were like killing ourselves, working late nights, seven days a week, hmm. and we didn't have a strategy and a plan. And um, we put together an exit strategy and we told people within 10 years, by 2015, we're gonna sell the business. That was our, that was our plan. And we, to do that, we had to build our brand. It couldn't be about Mike and Brian. It had to be PTIS. Right. There was some number of other things that we really got out there in the industry. And we had three clients approach us to say they wanted to talk about what we wanted to do in the future. And we had an offer in 2011 to sell the company, which we did. Well, it was October, 2011. I felt so high that I had created my, this child, grown it. We created value that somebody would want to pay for. I mean, that was mm -hmm. exciting. You know, it's like in a world of sales, it doesn't get any better. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, the deal was done and we had to become part of the parent company. And it was a letdown. It was, wait a minute, this isn't our baby anymore. I don't have the same passion. And I, I went through some struggles with that. And then they, they hired us. They paid us well. It was a job. And I was so passionate about packaging and some of the things we were doing. And it was, it was definitely nice to have their investment behind us to do things we couldn't afford to do on our own. Um, 2016 came and I was ready to be done. I, you know, I created this thing. It was part of my past and it was time to start something new. And so I started, I, so I, I was let, I was fired from the company August 1st, 2016 with one other person. The rest were still there. And so I started down a path and the phone rang in January, 2017 from Mike, mm -hmm. who I've talked about. And he said, Hey, you want to get the band back together? They're getting out of consulting. Was he still there at the time? He was still there. Oh, okay. And so it was a few months later, it was actually uh, April. We restarted PTIS, not under this other umbrella. In the meantime, the partners, the future partners got together and we sat in a circle and said, we get back together what do each of us want out of this thing right it's important to each of us because we're at different life stages we're you know we can go work for somebody again we can do other things and the passion that developed was out of a um out of a common desire to not do it like it used to be to look into new things create new business models move our passion into some cool new areas um, make money in different ways, not just the fee-for-service consulting. Right. And that is really just starting to play out almost three years later. Yeah, I'm sure it takes some time. It's exciting. And COVID, I think, has actually ironically accelerated some of the progress. We're really starting to build capabilities around, people talk about SAAS software as a service. Mm -hmm. We talk about packaging as a service. Mm-hmm. And we're building digital capabilities to do remote line trials and plant audits to uh, we've got a partnership um, leveraging artificial intelligence to do market research and find new opportunities. Hmm. Uh, just a number of other things, remote monitoring and manufacturing lines, using the artificial intelligence to do uh, 
um, business strategy work. We just completed a, a two month long consumer insight study on consumer attitudes and, and usage behaviors around e-commerce and how they purchase food and beverage products and how packaging might be able to improve that experience for them in the future. It's cool to see digital coming in and playing a role around sustainability and innovation and, and packaging. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, and, and I'm, I, I've got some people that I want to connect you up with who I've met um, here through the podcast as well that I think you'll have our as kindred spirits in in this journey. Um, uh, particularly the idea of I, I've been toying around and trying to see is there a is there a model for um, it, it's kind of like packaging as a service, but this is more. Um, you know, around equipment and automation equipment to where the, one of the biggest changes in the software industry and why we have software as a service was when you stopped selling a software package and then forcing people to buy the update every year, you just yeah. charge them every month. So um, now you don't own software, you use software. And that has, revol you think about how much that's revolutionized our buying behavior. I don't own music. I don't own any entertainment. You know, I don't own movies really anymore. Um, soon enough, uh, there's a lot of automotive companies that are getting into it to where you won't own a car um, because nobody really wants to own these things. You just, yeah. you need to use them. And so I've been trying to push that idea into the packaging space and just saying, does anybody really want to own a case erector or a label applicator? Like, is that, or, or do they want the thing that it does? Increases their speed to market, you know, increases their operating efficiency, you know, whatever, reduces costs. Like they want the result, not, yeah. the, not the equipment. So anyway, that's, that's a whole other conversation, but I think it does kind of dovetail into this recent newsletter that you sent out. And, um, you know, for those of you who, when, when you get, I'm going to say, when you get a lot out of this and you're listening to this, um, I'll have a link where you can sign up for Brian's newsletter. Cause it's got, it's not like, you know, you know, how sometimes you sign up for a newsletter and then you get it and you're like, that's a total disappointment. Um, this will not be that at least uh, don't let me down, Brian. Um, but, <laughs> uh, super helpful. And, and this, the, this latest one, when we're recording here, um, you did with, uh, with a mutual connection of ours, uh, John Kukowski. And you guys talked about forecasts uh, for packaging in 2021. And so kind of bringing everything together, your consulting, your love for packaging, trying to drive insights, uh, you know, trying to drive these sort of future looks at the industry and using data, you're able to start creating some pretty cool content. And I'm excited to see, you know, how that is going to be playing out here in 2021. But this is maybe one of the most important and frequently asked questions from me is what is, what does this look like? And I think for a while we, nobody could really say because there's an uncertainty about the virus, you know? So how long is, you know, how long is e-commerce going to last? And is, are we going to be on zoom calls for the rest of our lives? And, you know, I mean, it's like, okay, now that we're, you know, vaccine is developed and is being deployed and 
I think it's, it, it's really time and the timing is great to start really talking about 2021 and, and even a little bit beyond. So you've got a whole bunch of great stuff in here that we don't have time to get into, but um, you know, I, I know that, uh, for example, Packaging Digest recently did an article about uh, the growing use of automation um, and really seeing automation for packaging drive. So that doesn't have to be it, but you know, what are, what are some of the, some of the things here that you'd like to highlight uh, from this newsletter about things to be looking at for 2021 for CPG and packaging companies? Yeah. Uh, and you know, sometimes it's when you're looking at the future, it helps to look at the past. So yeah. 1997 at Kellogg's, um, we, we were part of a 20 some company initiative, 15 month long study on the future of packaging, a group of futurists out of Washington, DC led it. I was the Kellogg contact hmm. and I got to know these futurists and they all have degrees and look, they're PhDs in future studies. Um, we got to know them really well. And um, the other thing we were doing at Kellogg's at the time was consumer research on packaging and consumer insight for design. And I led that. Oh, cool. Those, those became a couple of our kind of hallmarks, our differentiators for PTIS as a brand. Um, nobody was doing those things in packaging. Lots of packaging consultants. They were pretty unique. So um, 2004, we did our first future of packaging program with a group called Leading Futurists, John Mahaffey and Jennifer Jarrett, who we had worked with at Kellogg's, both futurists. And we've repeated that every three years since then, hmm. uh, most recently 2019. It's a 20, 20 to 25 company year long or nine month long journey where they each invest, um, the last time out was $35,000. We bring them together, two people from each company um, we bring them together three times through the year and we invest their money in research and global megatrends. Um, there's an acronym called steep in this futurist world and it's societal, technological, economic, um, environmental and political or sociopolitical trends. Mm. We look at all of that. We look at the consumer, the retailers, and we look very globally and then bring it back to, okay, so what's it mean for you the brand owner, what's it mean for you, the converter, the raw material supplier, the OEM, the retailer? And and we when we bring them together, it's in three unique spots through the year and we facilitate discussions amongst them. So at a given table, we might have somebody from Abbott Labs and Microsoft and DuPont and whatever, graphic packaging. Yeah. And they're interacting and talking about in a pre-competitive way, talking about what's that mean for the future of our industry, hmm. for our companies, for our department in the company. And it's, it's just really powerful. And um, with all of that, so in 2016, we developed something called the Integrated Packaging Value Model, IPVM. It was published in an article, Mike Richmond uh, did the, the, he authored it. Um, I'm guessing 2017 in packaging world, something like that. So you can see, you can see the diagram. I think we have it on our website too, but it's, it's just three, three concentric circles. And on the outside of them, one of them is the consumer and the customer, kind of the big bubble. Another one is around manufacturing supply chain. And the third one is around R&D and science and technology. At the core where they overlap are three things. So this is a long way to answer your question about- That's no, great. I found it, by the way, it is on your website. Okay, so at the core, and th these held true through 2019 and they're true now, but they're accelerating in some cases 
due to COVID. Um, at the core, one is the Internet of Things, and we refer to the Internet of Packaging. And so that's that's the digital physical world coming together. Sensors on pack, um, Digimark, lots of other cool things on pack, and the pack enabling data and analytics. Uh, the next one is the circular economy, and it's not going away. And it's it's that's the whether it's sustainable material management or the circular economy, it's all having a huge impact and will continue to. Um, and then the third one is e-commerce. And if you look at those three things that we tell people, you could look at a hundred others, but if you build your strategy for the future and you focus on those three things, you're making some pretty good bets. Yeah. And so we're seeing so many, so many changes happen in all three of those areas um, related to at growth, productivity, risk management, um, being smarter about how we are, how we manage our businesses. Something like the Amazon store that are you no longer have a register. You go in and you pick things off, and there's cameras everywhere. Yeah, and they, they know what you're buying and walking out with. Um, it's in, impacting so many things. The consumer research we did recently was for a very large beverage company, and I can't reveal the results except to say we saw a load of consumers in their homes who are now grocery shopping on this thing. Yep. And we ask them, so, you know, what do you think the chances of going back to shopping the old way? They said, you know, I kind of really like the convenience of sitting on my couch and ordering my stuff and either having it delivered to my front door or I pull up curbside and it's dropped in the trunk. Yeah. Um, Especially, you know, like my wife, we've got five kids. I mean, it's it's no small feat to load up five children into a vehicle and drive them and then go grocery shopping. Like you can kind of get away with grocery buying. Just, you know what you need, you get in, everybody stay close, da, 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 da. But the shopping experience is not really there. So yeah, I I, I totally agree. And for those of you who are listening, uh, Brian held up a cell phone. So <laughs> he's oh, yeah, sorry. That's totally fine. But yeah, you know, so so people are uh, people are certainly um, shopping and it's not just, you know, younger people either. I think that's been what COVID has started to drive. Um, and you said you you built this in 2016, this IP VM. Yes. Yeah. So imagine if you're if you're working right now in the packaging industry at a CPG and it's four years ago, and you had you had been working with with Brian and with his what was your business partner's name again? I apologize. Oh, Mike, Mike Richmond, Mike we had Brown, and Todd Bukowski. There's four of us, but yeah, <laughs> got it. Okay, the four of you, uh, and 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 you guys said, you know what? We're really thinking that the circular economy, e-commerce, and IoT are gonna. You should really be focusing in four years ago. Guess where you'd be right now? The very top. <laughs> I mean, it's spot on. So that's we cool. Have, we have a lot of major companies come back every three years and invest again because they've had it's had that kind of an impact. They they made some of those bets on, on what we were saying. And it's just some great stories about that. Mm. So uh, and, and my point about the future is, by the way, is that nobody predicts the future. But if you use the right tools and the right thought processes, you can project into the future pretty accurately, but <laughs> we've, we've done that. And, um, you know, and the, the, the COVID thing, 
when I talked to John Mahaffey back in April about, gee, what's this mean to the future? He said, you know what, it's gonna accelerate things. Um, we need to start looking at the near end future. We can't look 10 and 20 years out. We gotta look at like nine months from now. Yeah. That was 10 months ago. <laughs> and, and we're in this whole new world of working from our homes and just so many things are different. Yeah, people, I mean, it was, that was, that was maybe the hardest thing for people to adjust to, I think, emotionally. I mean, outside, I don't, I don't mean to downplay this at all. The, you know, that there was health concerns and there were, yeah. you know, there, there's, you know, financial concerns and 401ks got plum. I mean, all of it was awful. Uh, but I think this whole idea that at least in the U.S. and in, you know, the EU and some other countries and, and areas, you're just so used to planning, like, your summer vacation uh, in, you know, like, what are we going to do in three months or four months? And you could no longer plan that. And it was like shocking to the system, I think, for people to be like, I can't plan what I'm going to do. Uh, what, you know, I, I and to, to have this just injection of uncertainty into a social structure that's so just grounded in certainty, I think was really unsettling for a lot of people. Um, still is. is. No, uh, yeah, it still is. But I mean, I'm saying I, I, the general sense that I'm getting is that there is, there's maybe, there's a lot, there's certainly more hope today than there was in say June, you know, or July as people are starting to get vaccinated and stuff like that. So I think that people are maybe starting to right now emerge, but um, you're right. It's still not, it, it's not certain, you know, that the, the level of certainty, when you think about the future of packaging, let's just say, and what, and because packaging is, is obviously tied to consumer behavior um, really closely. Well, it's hundred percent with, with, you know, CPGs and whatnot. So this, this whole idea that as we're kind of emerging out of this, if, if, I'm a, if I'm a brand right now, I'm the first person I'm probably calling is you because you've been doing this now since for 20 years. So being able to kind of help them a shift, you know, shift and adjust and move. And even as I'm reading through this newsletter, I'm like, holy cow, this is, you're not saying definitely do this, but it's like, these are some trends that we think are gonna start to happen in 2021 based on a lot of research, a lot of data, a lot of experience at big companies, at small companies, at converters, at whatever it is. So yeah, it's, uh, I, I think the, the thing that when I, when I was looking at this, um, the, the technical disruption, which is the very first one, mm-hmm. um, is something that I'm starting to see a lot more of, um, and it looks like we got to give credit to uh, to Mike uh, on that one. But uh, you, using you know artificial intelligence, uh, describe the Internet of Packaging, by the way. Tell me what what do you mean by that? Yeah, so the Internet of Things again is a term for bringing the digital physical world together. Sensors mm-hmm. unpacked, typically, um, and that can be on person. It can be on machines. It can be sensors on anything. We have got the ability, ability to monitor. Um, sensors are ubiquitous. They become cheaper and cheaper. We can monitor just about anything and everything. And so it's that, it's that space where the physical digital world come together. We focus on packaging. So we call it the internet of packaging. Um, 
and and again it can be machines it can be on pack it can be in pack uh it could be things that are monitoring oh gosh temperature um hazards distribution hazards shock and vibration it can be interaction with the consumer and building a relationship um we, we're doing a lot of work with uh digimark and and they're doing the Holy Grail 2.0 project mm -hmm. uh, with the Ellen MacArthur Foundation in Europe, looking at more efficient sortation of different materials at end of life hmm. um, with an invisible, basically invisible code. Well, that same code can be the code that as you're picking the strawberries in the farm field is the serialization could be activated and you know exactly where and when that container of strawberries was picked. You can monitor all the way through the supply chain as it's repackaged, carry that data forward, have this thing interact with the consumer, and then at the end of life, help with sorting a PLA from a PET clamshell so they don't get mixed in the recycling stream. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty phenomenal. So there's so That's many really cool. What, now, what if, uh, what if there's also an ability to tip the, uh, uh, the, you know, in this case, the, the person picking, you know, so if you could, you could trace it all the way back through and you could see the story of the, of the person who was out there or the people who are out, uh, you know, doing some of the processing and picking and you could send them a, you know, a, a $5 tip just like you would uh, at a restaurant. So yeah, there's a tremendous safety, security, authenticity, and then tie blockchain into it. And cryptocurrency and a number of other things that just the possibilities are endless yeah yeah uh, now you you lost me no <laughs> i mean there's yeah once once we get to like uh once we get to blockchain and cryptocurrency there's a lot of people who know a lot about that stuff and and i'm not like poo-pooing it like saying like oh that, i just don't know anything about it someone asked me if i bought bitcoin and i was like i don't even know what i know that it goes up and it goes down in price yeah i don't know why there i i know nothing about it so no i don't own any bitcoin but if you yeah, want to give me bitcoin you can just give it to me <laughs> i know enough to be dangerous okay all right well that's another that's another uh episode so um yeah and then uh you just have there's so many great resources on here um i i want to encourage and i'm going to put the link up to this um uh, to this newsletter, um, but I want I want for people to be able to kind of go on and, and subscribe because there's this is this is multiple episodes of you talking about all these things and bringing on your you guys should just have your own podcast to be on the future of packaging podcast sure. you need to make it happen. We're um, looking at a packaging foresight uh, video podcast. So that's in the works. All right, well hit me up. I don't I don't know much, but I I figured this thing out. Um, <laughs> I love this quote, by the way, and then I got to ask you one more question uh, that you put on here. Uh, we live in a moment of history where change is so speeded up that we begin to see the present only when it is already disappearing. Um, I thought about this when I just recently saw um, a company came out with an antiviral, no, antimicrobial and antiviral coating on corrugated boxes. Yeah. And I was like, boy, you are really late to the game on that one <laughs> and it was like oh it's this big deal and then you know you could go look up a report that says that covid doesn't live on the or whatever you know i mean I, I don't know it just seemed like this would have been awesome 
right away, but obviously stuff takes time, but I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. So I normally ask one question, but I'm going to ask it a different way uh, this time. So if you had to pick one area of focus for packaging companies and brands to really hone in on for 2021, what do you think? I mean, if, cause I, I don't think they can just, everybody does every single thing on, on this list. Right. So, um, but just generically, like what's the thing that gets you either most excited or um, maybe you're, you're more certain about than any uh, in, in terms of what 2021 is going to look like? Oh my gosh. There's so many things. Um, I know. What, one of the things tied to your question. So you said packaging companies and brands, one of the things that we saw accelerating between from between two set, 2016 and the integrated packaging value model and 2019, the model fundamentally changes, stayed the same, like sustainability turned to circular economy. Mm-hmm. So that did change moderately, but we kind of wrapped the whole thing with collaboration. The way we're going to be able to get things done more and more is by collaborating and and it has to be on very specific things. So in that newsletter you referenced, I think it was one of the last things we, we see happening is ultra convenient packaging. Um, consumers are so spoiled by convenience. We, we had a consumer and this research we did recently just saying, you know, I can order from my couch. I can't stand when I have to go to a parking lot and drive in circles to find a spot. Like that's not convenient. I mean, that's inconvenient for me. You know, how bad is that? I. It, we're real believers in finding common platforms to focus on together. So if I were a brand and I were a packaging company, I'd sit down without any preconceived notions of what that new package looks like, but focus on ultra convenience is, is one idea hmm. and ideate around and research what's out there. How can we make our experience for that consumer, wherever they're buying, however they're using the product, however they're disposing of it, how can we make everything along that consumer journey ultra convenient? That would be like one idea. No, that's great. And and it's it's in line with, I, I think I mentioned this study on the podcast, but there was a Harvard Business Review study just recently done about um, the customer effort being the number one factor in reducing customer churn. And so- okay just how hard is it to do business with you? And that is going to extend all the way out and especially at the moment of usage for your product. So is it easy? Is it difficult? You know, I mean, like the, the really rigid clamshells get evacuated. It's not my, I'm not part of this industry, but you know, the, the, the clamshells where you got to cut them with scissors and you slice yourself open uh, I've never worked in that side of the industry, but well, we um, thermal formed. Yeah. As packaging professionals, all of our friends and relatives blame us for that. I know. Exactly. Yeah. But like people hate that. So why, why, why do we continue to persist? And I don't know, but I'm sure somebody could come on and tell them, tell me exactly why that continues to happen. But you know, this, this whole idea that convenience is really, is, is really driving things is, is there. I mean, I've said it plenty of times to people like, I can, I can order a, what used to, like, if I wanted a new mattress, 
I used to have to go find a mattress store. I'd go lay on a bunch of them. I'd have some salesperson telling me everything about it. And, and then I'd go to a different mattress store and I'd sit on all those. Now I can get onto Amazon. I can look at customer reviews. I can see what it is. And within probably 10 minutes, I know that a mattress is showing up at my house in like two days. Yeah. So this is the world that we live in and it's the B2C B2C ideas are going to hit B2B companies here very quickly. Um, and if you're a B2C company that's not adjusting to the B2C demands, then you're in for a rude awakening, I'm sure. That's a great point. Um, so that's that's awesome. Well, uh, I know I said that was my last question, but are you wearing a Dayton Flyers uh, zip up? Is that what I've got going on here? I am indeed. Is that, uh, was that intentional or were you just like, I just threw on my Dayton Flyers? I was in the process of putting on Christmas colors. So I had a little red and green going. This okay. <laughs> I was going to ask you if do you have, do you have serious opinions about OB Toppin, uh, going to the New York Knicks? Yeah, that specific move. No, I'm, I'm still, uh, as, as I said, someone who's really into foresight and looking forward. I got to look back at what could have been this past year. I saw Michigan State and Dayton going to the finals and, <laughs> and, and playing for a championship. Um, a good buddy of mine uh, from high school is the president of the University of Dayton. And okay, I've cool. to see him and gone. They've got a beautiful arena. They've got just a great basketball atmosphere. And this was a gift last time I was there. So there's, there's some connection. And I know you're big into basketball and I'm, my, my passion probably ends at college basketball, mostly less. Okay. Than the yeah. Right. So well, I, I didn't anticipate you uh, having, having to wax poetic about, about uh, recent Dayton flyer draftees into the NBA, but. Um, I've seen him play a couple of times. So that was cool. <laughs> yeah, he can, he can, I mean, no pun intended, but pun intended, he can really fly. Um, so anyway, uh, Brian, this has been awesome. I'm I'm excited just to continue to follow what you guys are doing, um, you know, and and really helping to drive, help me, help my customers, people that I work with, um, because you're 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 doing you're doing the Lord's work in more than one way, um, and and helping people succeed. Um, I've got a whole bunch of notes and links to share and from Bob Buford's book that we've discussed before to your newsletter. And uh, you just, it's, it's great to see you guys uh, and, and what you're doing at PTIS just serving, you know, at the, at the end of it all, just, you know, you're helping people make better decisions and that's, that's fantastic. So um, I'm happy to know you. For the next time we do this, maybe or offline, um, it's always fun. So everybody who listens to your podcast obviously cares about packaging, mm-hmm. right? And so we talk- all Or it's my mom. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's good too. <laughs> um, there's another piece that I've learned to at least mention when I do public speaking. I do, I do loads of work with young people, mentoring, coaching, um, I, and I've got a passion for it. I really, really enjoy it. There's another piece of my life that 16 years ago, my daughter and I, uh, Katie and I took our first mission trip to Jamaica. And that led to 2009. We started a charity called the Archangel Network, helping at-risk kids. That's the arc part of it, mm-hmm. at-risk kids through education. And um, I had an opportunity to speak to a young alumni group from Michigan State, all packaging grads who were in their first five or 10 years. 
And uh, I mentioned that to them. And this was several years ago. One of them, a guy named Pratik Lal, who's in the packaging industry. I know Pratik. Okay. At, at Adept. Pratik came up to me afterwards and he said, hey, you showed us those little blue houses you make. What do those cost? I said, uh, they're like $2,200. He said, what if, what if the young alumni went out and raised $2,200 for you to go build a house? Three months later, they gave me the money. I built a house with, with their support. And that was one of those cool industry things that's happened. And, I, and I'm not looking for money. I'm looking for uh, that kind of thing has led to other great follow-up discussions with people in industry about, oh my gosh, I do mission work too. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Can we talk about our faith. And through a whole lot of my career, it was almost like faith was like this foreboding thing. You talk about work, you didn't mix the two. And in the last 10 years, that's changed a lot. And mm. um, I'm able to talk to people about their faith and my faith and our faith. And it's, it's really a cool piece of the industry that's kind of evolved and it's become a big part of me too. So um, I hadn't thought about that before we started our conversation, but that, that's another cool thing. I'd love to have people follow up, challenge some of our projections and talk about anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I've, I've been, I've been accused before on LinkedIn of like, well, this is a business platform. And I'm like, but you act like people aren't in business. Like you, you have to, we have to be encouraged to bring our whole self uh, to work. Uh, unless you're a, a murderer, then leave that part of yourself at work. Leave that at home. Yeah. 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 But you know, uh, for the most part, it's like, why, why can't we be who we are um, and, and be fully who we are and, and encourage people to do that? So yeah, I completely agree. Um, and that's, that's, that's a great story. I didn't, I didn't even realize that you knew Pratik. Um, so that's, that's a fun connection. And uh, you should have told him, you should have said, yeah, it's 2,200 for one, but I'm going to challenge you to build a hundred. That's what you should have said. <laughs> so next time. Next time. He was, he was fresh out of school at the time. I wasn't going to do that. I'm saying now, though, you should do no, that. No, I should. So, yeah. Pratik, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> build 100 houses. So, I love it. Awesome, Brian. Well, thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you. Merry right. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> what a great dude Brian is. Um, I hope you enjoyed the interview and you're able to connect up with him on LinkedIn. Uh, look for Brian Wagner. Uh, he's he is a wealth of knowledge, as you can probably already tell. Um, once again, uh, if you want to support our podcast, go to peopleofpackaging.com. Get that free ebook from Doxalent. And next week, uh, we are going to have Amy Stedman on the show. Uh, Amy is uh, running a company, helping to run a company called Future Proof. And they do some really cool things with packaging. They're blowing up and growing like crazy. Uh, so you don't want to miss that interview with Amy Stedman. Uh, if you would, please like, subscribe, share uh, this podcast. It would mean the world to us uh, to help us continue to spread our reach and remind everyone how awesome packaging is. So until next week, make it a great day.